Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Okay, let us dig in. Mark chapter 2. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If you're here, first time, please take a moment until we get all the, the text stuff in place, probably next week or week after next. Today, use that card in front of you on your chair and the, the pew. Fill it out. Give us some basic information about yourself uh, so that we will be able to follow up. Okay? Mark chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. 17 through 22. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is still with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. <clears throat> but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth to an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is more worse, is made worse. The tear is made worse. Verse 22, and no one puts new wine into an old wineskin, or else the new wine bursts the wineskin. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Father, we thank you for blessing your word. My lips are subjected and submitted to you. Let your will be done. I thank you for the opportunity and Thank you for allowing me to be the vessel to share with your people. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. God's word is blessed. Our topic today is going to be, I have access. I have access. There's a little pre- information that you need to see here or hear about here. Jesus has come into town and he passes by a young man by the name of Levi. We have later known him to be Matthew. We call him Matthew now. But Jesus, according to the story, comes by and looks at him and says, Levi, 
follow me. Matthew, follow me. We are not told about what he did in preparation to follow. What we are told that almost immediately he decided to follow Jesus. But he did some things in the process of starting the journey. As a matter of fact, before we even go to that point, I want to linger on the fact that he was a tax collector. Now, even today, we are not too fond of the IRS. Nobody throws a party when they get a letter of audit from the IRS. You don't call your buddies and tell them, come over for dinner, because the IRS is auditing me next to me. So even today, we really don't like connection and conversation with the IRS. If they stay on their side of the fence and we stay on our side, we're both happy. Well, it was that way in Jesus' day, but it was even worse. Because when the Roman Empire came in and took control, part of what they would do in some provinces is they would find a local guy of some worth and some esteem who already had some things going on business-wise and they would assign him the job of collecting taxes for the government. Well, things were so loosey-goosey that he had latitude to be excessively on fear with the population. So if the taxes were supposed to be 30%, if he felt like, if he didn't like you, if your hair was too long, if your mama was ugly, if, if you were a little bit of a drunk, if, if the color of your skin was off, he had the right to do whatever he kind of wanted. Nobody liked him. He's referred to not just as a, a, a tax collector, but the other word used for him uh, in our passage is, uh, and his, his other title just left. If you remember it, Dad, you let me know. The other word for tax collector. A, a publican. Not a Republican, sorry. A publican. That he, as a publican, a tax collector, could do almost anything he wanted. In this case, he was also a Jew. I want you to imagine that. I want you to see it. He's got Jewish connection. He's a tax collector that nobody likes, and he's usurping his authority. And when Jesus comes into town, guess who Jesus goes by to see? This same guy. He couldn't have picked a harder target. He could not have picked a more, a more, uh, uh, almost ineffective place to start ministry right there. I mean, he could have found somebody that was drunk 
and really needed help. He could have found somebody who was sick and crippled and really needed help. But he finds this guy who is a publican or tax collector that the people don't like because he's, he's looked upon with, with scorn as someone who betrays his own people and usurps his authority. And Jesus says to him, come and follow me. We're talking about access today. He immediately answers the call. I don't know why. In the same way, I don't know why Abraham, when God calls him from his mama and papa and the rest of his family, who were moon worshipers in Genesis, he just decides to listen to God and follow. I just don't know why, but he did. And so he comes and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And when he hears that Jesus is coming to his house for fellowship, that's the problem right there. He decides to physically invite all of his old tax collecting buddies. I want you to see this. So Jesus shows up and there's a whole house full of thieves and robbers. A house full of people that the rest of the population scorn because they are known for injustice. And Jesus sits there and has dining with them. During this process, the Pharisees that just happened to be disciples of John, the same John that told all of his own disciples in a previous chapter, don't follow me anymore. Behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Follow Jesus. But still in this story, we see some of them still following him. They're identified as disciples of John. And some of them were Pharisees that believed that you had to be circumcised before you could become a part of the body of Christ. That you had to do this ritual and that ritual, and you had to do this and the other. And Jesus walks into that setting, and in verse 17, it says, when Jesus heard, he said, what, what did he hear? The question, why is he hanging out with those guys? If you are a believer here today and you are thinking that you can be a vessel for God's use incognito, you have gone to the wrong place. If you believe you can be an authentic Christian and you can live this thing in the right way and set an example that will please God, you and not be out of the shadow. You can't do it. Jesus answers the question and he says to them very plainly the answer. I did not come for people who are already saved. I did not come for anyone that had their life together already 
And I am repeating the same thing today. If you are here and your life is together, you just got the lottery and you've got everything you want, the marriage you want, the money you want, the people to love you you want, everything is going right. And you don't think you need Jesus. Just wait a while. Life is going to hit you. Something is going to pop off, like they say, the young people say. Something is going to break loose. And you will have to make a decision as to where the rock of your life stands. Jesus says to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, in verse 17. But those who are sick, I did not come to call righteous folks, but sinners to repentance. Another translation says, Jesus heard them and answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I don't come to invite good people to be my followers, I came to invite sinners. You have a commission this morning that says everything about your life and my life as believers is not geared to do what most of the church world is doing. And that is, we are, we are not just segregated by color and race, within churches, but we, even more than that, show up in our churches, committed before we even get to church, Dad, to impress somebody else. Our entire religious compass today is centered around somebody else in church coming by and telling you how fine you look. That if the pastor doesn't shake your hand, if somebody doesn't come by and hug you, if, if, if you don't have two or three people that greet you, then the church is no good. That everything about us surrounds us. And Jesus is saying, if you feel that good about yourself, I didn't come to help you. Whoo, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you are willing to say like me this morning, I have got a lot to work on and there is still some stuff, Lord, that you need to take care of. I am putting my hands up right now. I need your help. I need your connection. I need your spirit. I need your presence. I am guilty as charged. There is not a morning that should start without us saying to God, Father, I repent. Do you understand that? That even, that even though you slept all night and you didn't know what your subconscious mind was thinking about, whoo, Lord, thank God we don't know most of that stuff. Could you imagine what your subconscious 
uncontrolled mind does when you are dozing. All I know is that I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, Jordan. And I can't help but do wrong if God doesn't help me. I can't help but live wrong if God doesn't help me. I can't help but speak wrong if God doesn't help me. I can't help but do bad if God doesn't help me. And so I say every single day, God, come on in. See, Matthew did not have access. He was like you and like me. He didn't have access. And Jesus came on the scene and said, come and follow me. I've got something that you can plant your feet on. I've got a promise that you can trust. I've got an offer that you can depend on. And that offer is access. That prior to Jesus coming, you didn't have access. The priest went in once a year and tried to make a sacrifice for you. And the sacrifice was temporary. And you had to come back again. And every year you were fussing, how are you going to find the finances to do this? How are you going to buy the, the lamb? How are you going to find a good goat? How are you going to find a turtle dove that's in good condition? How are you going to, where are you going to work? I mean, it was just a, a continuous work, a grind, a grind. You couldn't enjoy your connection and relationship with God. But Jesus came, hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Number one is, is you, you, you had no access. We need to establish that. Before Jesus came on the scene, we had no access. He did not come for you if you're well. He came for you if you're sick. Some of us have been sick in our emotions, sick in our head, sick in, I mean sick in our spirits. we just sick. If you are that person in any area of your life today, Jesus says you are the guy, the lady, the woman, the husband, the wife. He actually came specifically for you. He's been looking for you. He's been planning for you. He loves you. Verses 18 through 21 takes us to another level, though. It says, the disciples of John, the Pharisees, were fasting. And they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John fast, but you don't fast? The disciples of Jesus aren't fasting. The law said fast one day. By this time, the disciples of John had increased the, the ante. They were fasting on Tuesdays and Thursdays, according to us. So they went from the one day the law said you should fast, and they were now Pharisees fasting twice a week, and they prided themselves on that. You know what? If you fast all week and you don't spend time in God's presence, you are just on a hunger strike. We can say that again. If you fast all week, Bruce, 
I don't care which pastor, which person in church pats you on the back and said, boy, you really doing something. If you fast all week and you do not spend time in consecration and meditation with God in your own war room, you are what? On a hunger strike. And anybody could go on a hunger strike. You don't get brownie points from God for losing weight. You don't get a blessing because you look like Mahatma Gandhi. You get a blessing from God because you put the flesh on the subjection while giving rise to the Spirit of God. I don't want to go on a hunger strike. I want my spirit to grow. I want my spirit to grow. So Jesus says to them here, listen, listen, you must have heard something off. You must not have gotten the news. I am the bridegroom. The church that I am here to establish in the New Testament is the bride. And while I'm here, I got helpers who will also become part of that bride. They're part of the bride, but they're also my helpers right now. What kind of foolish question are you asking when the groom is here getting ready to be married? The helpers don't go on a hunger strike. You see what God, he could have said it in a more spiritual way, but he wanted to get to their head. Think about it. Think. You're trying to trip me up. You're trying to mess me up by, 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 by bringing in what the Pharisees do, how you fast twice a week, how you follow the law and you do all of this stuff. But the fact is, I am the bridegroom. And I am here in the flesh. The time is coming when my disciples will have to fast. Why? Because I'm going. He says it right there. Now, I doubt whether they understood much of anything that he was saying. Because they're Pharisees, they're carnal-minded, they did not even accept him as the Messiah. But we see now that he was making perfect sense. He says, they don't need to fast like y'all because they've got their priority in place. They know exactly who's the Messiah. I am. They're not waiting for the Messiah. They know I am. I am the bread of life. I am the way maker. I am the truth. I am. I am. And while I'm still here, they don't need to be fasting. They need to spend time with me, and they need to go ahead and eat. But a time is coming when things are, I am not going to be here, and they're going to be wishing that I would intervene. They're going to be hurting under the pressure of the Roman authority. They're going to be under persecution, and they're going to be feeling like there is no hope. And then they need to fast. My second point is the law will always give you limited access. And this is connected to what 
Pastor Ron ended the sermon with last week. How many of you guys remember that? That's going to be the last point to tackle again. That the law is always going to give you limited access. If you think you're going to be good enough, if I think I'm going to walk this thing out and just practice my religion in the best way, if I'm going to be a, a, a hermit or a monk, and I am going to just keep myself away from sinning, the law is going to kill me. Law limits access, but his blood, his shed blood, says full access. The law says limited access, and you could continue with your pharisaical way. You could continue not subjecting and submitting yourself to God in, in the inside and just follow all the outward rules. I'm a good tither. I come to church every Sunday and Wednesday. I, I, I give $5 to the guy at the street corner. I mean, I even pay for people's grocery. And you can go on and on and on and on with all the philanthropic stuff. But if your heart isn't filled with God, if your heart doesn't have an overflow of his agape, you're a law abider and you're dying. You're dying. You're dying. I want you to look at something real quick. Jesus is not about, here, here's, here's the thing. Jesus, the law patched stuff. The law patched stuff up. The law said, you sin, let's make a sacrifice and get a patch over there for now. The law said, you come once a year, bring your turtle up, bring your goat, bring your sheep. Let's, let's put a patch on it. When Jesus came, he said, we ain't going to do it that way no more. We're not doing that way. The law limits access, but Jesus' blood says full access. Jesus is not about patching you up. He's about making you like new. Look at somebody and tell them, please. Jesus is not about patching you up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's not about patching you up. He's not about patching you up. He's not about... Look, look, Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made... The two groups at the time that we're talking about, Jews and Gentiles. But right now, it's talking about all of us because we're Gentiles too. He came to make the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh what? The law with its what? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two. Oh, I, oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both to God through the cross. That's my whole message this morning. By which he put to death their hostilities. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's the whole message right there. It's the whole message right there. When, the, when, when John's disciples are coming by and telling them, boy, y'all need to be fasted. You're all not this. You're not that. You're, you're eating this. I love the story about when God revealed himself to Peter as he's laying down on the roof. And he says, in the scene, he's in a trance. He's, and he's getting this. He doesn't know if it's a dream or, or what. But he sees a whole table spread. And right there on the table, all kind of stuff to eat in addition to some pork chops. And you know what he said? Even in a dream, I'm a Jew. I don't eat none of that stuff right there. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You know, Jesus said, you could continue not eating it. I'm not going to force you. But as of right now, I'm letting you know that my blood allows you to eat it and not be condemned. Oh, no! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a whole lot of stuff right now that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus on you, it would have already destroyed you. If it wasn't for the grace of God on your life, you would have already been sick. You would have already been down and out. But the grace of God and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And stuff that by tradition we were told you can't do and you can't do. You can't do this and you can't do that. Because of his grace. Oh, hallelujah. I have access. Look at somebody and tell I have access. 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 First Corinthians 6 9. Through 11 said, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? I want you to see it. The unrighteous will not inherit. I want you to see clearly who he identifies as the unrighteous. These are folks that do what they do, not one time or two times. They're living like this. Let's make a clarification. This is not the guy who slipped up and acts repentance. This is for the guy who continues to mess up, do the wrong thing, and because God did not strike him down, he continues to do it as if God's got one eye poked out. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor uh, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I get into no conversation with anyone who tries to make a, a differentiation between any one of those sins. If you come to me with that mess, I'm going to knock you down. 
Not physically, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. Because the Bible makes it clear. You can get on your high horse about the fornicator and the LGB, all this other stuff, while you over there stealing. Or oh, Jesus. I worked at Chase, uh, Chase for many several years, my sister and I, and my other sister too. And it would blow my mind how many times, because you did not have to clock in and clock out during your lunch, have 1,500 employees there, you clocked in on, when you came into work and you clocked out. And if you had somebody who was sitting next to you that could cover for you, People would stay for, out to lunch for 15 minutes extra. They would be out there for 20 minutes. They got an hour and 20 minute lunch and then come back and said that they came back in but had to use the bathroom. Your lunch is an hour, hon. I don't care. Listen, if what you got will take 20 minutes more to get out, you need to keep it until you get home. I mean, and, and we would have midday prayer. We started with a couple of people and it ended. The company told us we had to stop having midday prayer. Because after a while, I think we ended up having, what, 100 people or so in that room. People, the Holy Spirit would come down. And then the Holy Spirit would take over sometime and, and be after lunch and people are still, hallelujah, oh, bless God. And the, the, the management said, you can't do that. You can't have a bunch of drunk people. They're not smelling like alcohol. They don't, they don't, they don't I know they weren't drinking. Why are they drunk? They don't smell like weed. Uh, nothing, something's going on in that room. Y'all got to stop. But the thing is, there are folks who are, are blatantly breaking God's law in one area while, while they're trying to point out something else in your life. Stop! Stop the judgmental attitude. Stop the rush to judgment. As a matter of fact, I would be happy if all of us as Christians would stop judging people. But I'm not stopping there. I would much prefer you practice being a fruit inspector. See, a judge is different from a fruit inspector. The fruit inspector can look at the banana and tell it's got five brown spots on it. It's too ripe. You can't put it out to be sold. You got to give it away. The fruit inspector can look at the grapes in the back and see three or four Look kind of moldy. We can't sell that no more. All you're doing is looking at the fruit and saying, that does not match up with that. That don't look like that. No, nope, nope, nope. This is the rule book right here. And that, that, no, nope, 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 nope. That, that doesn't match up. That is not the same fruit I see over here. To be a judge you have to have complete knowledge of both sides. 
Judgment can only be brought when you know every detail, not for one side, but both sides. Do you ever have all the detail on both sides of somebody's life? Will we ever have that? No, stay away from it. Inspect the fruit and pray. I'm going to take two, just a few more minutes. We've talked about the law being limited in access. The story that we read talked about the garment. You don't put a new cloth on an old garment. Don't connect it. You don't, don't, don't try to sew the old and the new together. It is exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do when they said, you need to fast while you're not fasting. Because Jesus has come to do away with the law and they're over here saying, well, we can match the law up with what Jesus is doing and, and you can still call it Christianity. And Jesus is saying, no, you cannot do that because the law in its weak, dilapidated form is old cloth. And you can't sow my principles to the law and, and, and they work. It's not going to work. My, the strength of my fabric will destroy and fray the law the more you try to put them together. Give it up and just go with me. But he goes even further. He says to them, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. And that is absolutely the truth. The old wineskin, and we're ending here, was made this way. You have your leather pouch. You seal the sides, but before you seal it, before you close it in, you would seal the inside with somewhat of the same resin that they used on the pharaohs. Something that seals in so that molds, they use it in, all the, in, in the mummification process, the old days. So that mites and, and fungus can't get in and attack the body. They seal it in this resin, and it stops the work of intrusion. In the same way, they put resin on the inside of the leather, that new leather, and sealed it. And you use the bag. After dried, you would pour wine in there. It would be sealed and nice. But after a while, that bag becomes brittle and dry on the outside. You cannot just pour new wine into the new bag, into the old bag. What do you do? The world says you got one option, destroy it and put it away. I'm just thankful that God says, I don't need to kill you to straighten you out. I don't need to destroy your life and your marriage. I don't need to kill you to make things good in your life. They learned a process to renew these leather carriers of wine, and it blew my mind. They did two things. If you had a wine pouch that you couldn't just pour new wine into, and we're, getting, we're, we're locking it down in a minute, you would do two things. The first is you would take it and submerge it in water for a while. What does the water do? It softens it and relaxes the leather. 
It makes it pliable again. What does the word of God do? What do we do? The, what does the word do? Wash us. So we need to be washed with the word. Washed with the word. Washed with the word. You would soak the bag in water. The word of God is water. Washing you. Making you pliable. <laughs> making you open to God's will. Making you attentive to what God is saying. Making you absorbent of God. Without the word of God activated in you, the Holy Spirit can't work. Without the word of God in you, the Holy Spirit can't work properly. And it blows my mind that, that, that what is happening in the spirit had such a plain example in the flesh. You soaked it in water. And after the leather became pliable and soft again, then you sealed in the moisture with oil. Lord have mercy. After the word of God get in you and makes you pliable and receptive, then the Holy Spirit will come and keep you that way. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. How good can you be, Father? You always know people who don't want to make the real change. When they come to church and they're screaming and shouting, oh, Holy Spirit, and they're shaking and doing all this stuff. And you meet them outside and you get on the wrong side and you hear about every filthy word that can come out. Because you're trying to bring the Holy Ghost applied to a place where the word of God has not made pliable. You can't do without the word and you can't do without Holy Ghost. My Lord, you soak it in the word and it gets pliable. And then you're sealing the moisture with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, bless God. Once they put that bag through that process, the bag becomes new again. That is the newness that this, that this story is talking about. It's not talking about throwing out the old bag and making a new one. It's talking about taking the old and have it worked on and have it transformed so that when it is used again, it operates as if it was brand new. Operates as if it was brand new. Somebody here this morning Somebody here this morning, someone here this morning needs to give up controlled access. So you can celebrate full access. See, the second point was, was, about, was about the law, right? Keeping you from access. But the real problem in the church today is that many of us are responsible for our own 
inability to access. We won't pray, meditate on God's word. We won't do any of the things that allow our lives to become pliable, to become seasoned, to become moisturized so that God can use you. And then when, when, when the bag busts and you flesh out, And people want to know, what happened to her? I thought she was a, a, a faithful member over at the assembly. She cussing on TV. If you give up controlled access, we talked about it last week. Pastor said, Jesus, I ain't going to touch it again because he's got the stuff we were talking about, about at Revelations 3. Jesus comes and knocks at the door, knocks at the door, said, if anyone will do what? Hear, just hear my voice and what? And open the door. He ain't going to force himself. He ain't kick it down. He can, but he will not. We give God control access and we fuss and fight about why we're not getting full breakthrough. If you leave only a crack and you expect God in his majesty to squeeze through and worm his way through like he's some thief, it ain't gonna happen. We have to take away the controlled access and give him full access. Full access is gained by the strength of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Would you this morning give God full access? Would you give God this morning full access? Would you look at someone next to you and tell them, with strength in your voice, I have access. God gave me access. I receive access. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Shiharaba Shekorobo Shanda. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of access. Lord, we thank you for the gift of access. We thank you for the gift of access. We have access to the throne. When the veil was broken in half, when you gave your life on Calvary, wasn't for partial access. We don't have to fight for it no more. We just have to give it up, Lord. Hallelujah. As you bow your head this morning, as you everyone bow your head, please. I'm not even looking. If you are here this morning and he has been knocking and he has been knocking and you have thought that you were doing good like a Pharisee by giving him controlled access. This is your call. This is your call. This is your call. Tell him. Put your hands up. Nobody looking. And say, Lord, I give you full access. Lord, I give you full access. Everyone, everyone. Lord, I give you full access. Lord, I, I give you full access. Full access. Full access, God. Do as you will. Full access. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you stand and give God some glory with me? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Give God a high praise, please. Give him a high praise. He deserves it. He deserves it. Oh, Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, pour out your oil, pour out your oil, pour out your oil. Soak me in the water of your word. Wash me with 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 your word. Me with your word that I may be clean, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Today we give you full access. We thank you for your presence here. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you, O oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for taking away sin and iniquity across the congregation right now. Hallelujah. If you want him to, if you want him to, if you want him to, he's taking it right now. Just tell him, Lord, I repent. I'm not looking at you. You put your hand out and you wave it to God, everyone. Even if you don't have anything, support someone else and just wave it to God. And say, Lord, I'll give you full access this morning. In Jesus' name. 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 In Jesus' name.